Welcome back to the In The Points podcast, the fastest growing Formula One podcast on the globe and the only podcast growing at the speed of Formula One. I am your host, Matt Dottiel, and last week we kicked off season two, season 2023 of the Formula One uh, calendar, and we are back with our race recap for Bahrain. Joined, as always, I have with me, Sam Russell. Welcome, Sam. Thanks for having me again, Matt. Um, Looking forward to diving back into uh, the F1 season, kind of a a wacky week one, but um, plenty of season left. Yeah, and... Uh, alongside of us, our third seat and co-host, Stefano Sedano. Stefano, welcome back onto the podcast, man. Yes. Bye-bye. This <laughs> is really a lovely podcast, guys. Great work. Yeah, it sounds like you channeled both your inner Fernando Alonso, Max Verstappen, and Lewis Hamilton right there for bringing in some quotes of, yes, bye-bye. This is lovely and great work this week, team. Yeah, man. I'm really fired up for Formula One. Hell yeah, can. brother. Yeah, fired up, up, man. Let's get right back into it. I mean, first topic of the day, we got, I mean, that free practice three into quality into the race was a pretty wild turn of events. I mean, guys, qualifying ended up with every car being separated by like less than one second in Q1, which is pretty freaking tight when you start to actually break it down and think like last year there was like a two second gap from the the lead horse all the way down to the the last place back marker um i mean the free practice three was wild in of itself we were all going nuts we didn't know who was sandbagging we found out that ferrari had turned their engine down no one was no no one knew who was running fuel loads aston martin was the free practice kings sam let's start with you like Walking away from qualifying, it was pretty electric. I mean, going into the race, where were your thoughts coming off of like how these cars, how close they are together for this season? Well, after Q1, I think everyone's thinking, wow, this is awesome. Um, Like Mercedes looked good. Ferrari looked good. Red Bull looked good, but didn't look like they were going to be as dominant as they ended up being. So they're like, oh, this is great. And then by kind of the end of Q3, when everything, you know, like got set, you kind of had a feeling that Red Bull was just going to demolish the competition on Sunday, which they ended up doing. Um, it just, yeah, going into the race, I pretty much expected what to happen to happen. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was a bummer of a race, but it ended up being pretty predictable. Um, and it might just be a lot of this for the next few weeks. It very well could be. I mean, you know, race results were in. Um, it's, you know, Ferrari looked pretty quick in qualifying, but – I, you know, we talked about this last week on the podcast. Does Fred Visser have what it takes to kind of push them over the edge and make them a really good on track race car? And um, we'll get into some of our Ferrari takes later in the episode. But, you know, in pre- in qualifying, again, it was looking like Red Bull had a strong car. They had strong pace, but it was not clear in a way that they were going to take pole. I mean, at any point in time, we thought Aston Martin might have had it. We thought at one point, I thought at one point, Mercedes might have pipped it. We thought Ferrari looked like they could have pipped it. And then surprisingly, they stopped. Like Chuck Leclerc got out of the car, saving tires strategically. See that, um, Matt, that I actually thought that was a good strategic move in the end. And I thought it worked out to their advantage. So I actually, in the end, thought that was pretty cheeky. Didn't I thought it, it was very matter. cheeky. It didn't matter at all. But in the moment, it was like, ah, shit. Like, they really have no chance to put together a faster lap than what Max did. I know. Yeah, it was kind of a cop-out strategy, in my opinion. It's like, Oh, tell us more. Like, like Sam was saying, there's no chance that they were going to catch up to even Checo. 
uh, during qualifying. So get Chuck out of the car, save tires, and hopefully Sainz can maybe gain some ground on on Chuck for a little bit of promise going into the actual race the next day. Um, which, which you know we'll get we'll get to it later in the uh, in the takes, but you know it's just again though like Ferrari competes so well in qualifying. But it was pretty clear even before the the DNF from Chuck that they did not have the pace to compete with Red Bull on Sunday. And yeah, it was it was almost like qualifying was just a sign of things to come. Yeah, and it was interesting falling apart within a few seconds of it taking to the track. Well, <laughs> that was crazy in and of itself, where they had the the wheel um, the wheel cover just kind of fly right off of his car, just driving down the straight, but. The interesting thing was, Sam, you had found that they were actually sandbagging a little bit of FP of free practice, a little bit of the um, the preseason testing, and they had their engine turned down. So coming out of free practice, it looked like they were far off of the pace for fighting for pole, and then qualifying, they had incredible pace. What do you make yeah, of that? There, well, there was that was the hot Twitter rumor um, during practice and right before qualifying. It was. You know, they 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 had a low engine mode, they had high fuel, and they had a lot that they hadn't shown yet, which kind of ended up being true in qualifying. And at times in the race, they were the second fastest car, um, especially on Chuck's second stint. He was he was just as fast as Checo pretty much was. Um, so I don't know. It what ended up happening. I know we're gonna get to it. Left such a bad taste taste in my mouth, but it's not over for Ferrari yet. So it's funny. We talked about this last week on the podcast. You know, I had the bold prediction for the year that Aston Martin was going to finish ahead of Ferrari and the constructors and Ferrari wasn't even going to crack the top three. Um, obviously, you know, we might as well just get right into the Ferrari takes right now and talk about what happened. Chuck had to take a new battery pack to start the race, of which you get two in the year. And he still had a power failure midway through the race car didn't look like it was competing very much with the Red Bulls. It looked like it was staying kind of not, I wouldn't say, you know, like he was staying ahead of Checo, but he was not catching Max. I think at one point Max was lapping him, uh, I think five tenths faster each lap. So pretty well off of Verstappen's pace at Bahrain. But, you know, what, like if you're Ferrari fans, is it too early to be hitting the panic button? I mean, you got a brand new team principal. You got a car that they they strategically decided which i agreed with you sam that was conservative i liked that um you know they weren't trying to go crazy in their third stint and try and fight with max and do something crazy strategically to try and win the race they they seemed content to take their points and get out of there and move on to australia but you got to wonder with that broken car going down qualifying q1 with them changing out chuck's battery pack with them having a dnf race one you know, Stefano, you're the long-standing Ferrari fan here. Like, how panicked are you right now for 2023? It seems like more of what was happening in the back half of 2022. I'm glad you brought up 2022 because, honestly, if last year weren't as shambolic as it was, I wouldn't be as, like, quietly nervous as I am right now. Uh, like, watching that race and kind of taking it in over the past couple of days, it's just sort of left me in, like, a very just like coldly nervous position, you know, like my, like right now talking about it, I'm getting like chills. My hands are cold. I'm just thinking the worst thoughts about Ferrari. And that's kind of indicative. Yeah. It's indicative of, of last year. If last year were a bit more normal, I wouldn't be thinking this, but I think Ferrari learned uh, a few lessons barring reliability. I mean, 
that's something that you know you, the engineers and 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 people that put together the actual car are gonna have to sort out. But um, I'm thinking to like Imola last year, where uh, Leclerc just overdrove and and tried to capitalize on things that weren't there and just didn't settle for points that were already on the table. You know, it seemed like the strategy was to, like you said, take take a, a podium finish, be it P2 or P3. I think uh, by the time Chuck DNF, he was in P3. Um, so it seemed like they learned a little bit from last year. So I'm a little bit more optimistic on that front, but you know, reliability means reliability issues mean that some grid penalties are going to come into the picture sooner rather than they hoped for. Yeah. Sam, what are your thoughts on, on Ferrari failures of the weekend? So honestly, this is very uncharacteristic of me, but I'm going to take an optimistic tone towards all this. And I mean, the reliability, it sucks, but I think this stuff happens early in the year. Like it's just, it's not that uncommon. It happened to Max and Checo last year totally um, in this first race. So it's like, I'm, I'm going to put my optimistic hat on and just say first, first race crap. That's that caused the, the engine stuff. Um, and if, if, uh, if Leclerc ends up on the podium, their weekend's not that bad. No, it's like, okay. You've got like two solid points finishes, I think they constructor wise, they would be in, they would be in second. And um, it's like, okay, let's move on and hope to, you know, set the car up better and figure something out moving on. Now with the Leclerc DNF, it changes that whole tone. But my point is they, they're not that far off at being a good weekend. So I'm not hitting the panic button yet. I'm being optimistic. Um, We'll get to Mercedes too. I'm optimistic about them for a, a very different reason, but I'm not hitting the panic button yet on this season being over in general. Not yeah. quite yet. Yeah, I mean, it's a long season, guys. I mean, we've saw, talked to this a while. It's 23 races. I think it's the longest calendar in Formula One history that we've ever had. It has the it most is. sprint races. It has the most total races. It has the most available points. And to your point, Sam, last year, Max Checo double DNF at Bahrain. Max DNF Australia goes on to win the win the drivers. They go on to win the constructors. So, like, anything can happen in the season. It can happen to the best teams. It can happen to the worst teams. It can happen to the midfield teams, right? So, this is certainly a long season. You just got to wonder, with them sandbagging and thinking it was all good, and then to hear the rumors that during the race, Red Bull was turning their engine down and still lapping faster than the Ferrari cars, you just got to start to wonder, like, is Ferrari, does the team positioned to reverse kind of what was happening last year to Stefano's point? Like, are we are we seeing the same Ferrari with like a different personnel set? Like, is this a, a structural problem at Ferrari that they just have to clean house even more so than getting rid of Bizzotto? or Or is it just kind of first year, first race doldrums? It just kind of happens. I think it's first rates. If I'm going to put an optimistic spin on it, I think it is to Sam's point, first race doldrums. Uh, I think there was a little bit of a clear out, you know, um, we didn't just see Bizzotto leave. We saw his head of strategy uh, in Rueda get demoted by uh, Fred Vasseur as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to Sam's other point, if there's no DNF Ferrari finished three, four, they finished well ahead um, of their realistic next, closest rivals in mercedes um true so i think strategically they got the weekend right cautiously right yeah there was no strategy that they got wrong yeah they they nailed their pit stops 
They played it conservatively. How about like, their uh, how about their double stop to start the season off? Yeah, Flex. it was great. Totally nailed it. Absolutely. Flex. That was sick. I loved that. I you know what else? I loved the fact that they were very willing, like I said, they kind of they gave the race to to Red Bull. They were like like not in the sense of like they handed it to them as a win. They were like, you know what? We're not gonna try and do anything crazy. We're not gonna like pit Chuck for softs and try and like extend his stint or do or something, something crazy. Like they were like, you know what? Let's get our points, get out of here, move on to Jeddah, and yeah. let's see what we can do next week. And and honestly, I loved that conservative play. After a year of trying to do crazy things or like, you know, I, I expected them to come out on like on medium tires and go like medium soft soft and see if they could do something crazy strategically. They did the same strategy as almost the entire rest of the field. They didn't try to do anything crazy. They were content to your point, Sam, taking three and four and getting their points and moving on and reliability struck again. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's too bad because Chuck was, was doing well too. He was clocking good lap times. He was very clearly the third fastest driver on that grid, like without yeah, he a doubt. Had, he had the podium no in the question. bag. Heads and shoulders above it, like not even close. And it was too bad to see reliability to strike that that guy. It, it's it's hitting it's hitting him too much, and you got to wonder at what point does it start to like eat into his confidence. Anywho, moving on. I mean, we had so much to talk about. I mean, guys, like the race itself, kind of boring. I mean, it was what it was, right? Like. Red Bull dominated every aspect of the race. Um, you know, Sam, I mean, I think the highlights of this was you kind of picking up right where you left off three and one on matchup bets. Like it's just, you were three and one on matchups, two and two on regular picks. Uh, it was a pretty dominant weekend for you. What else is new though? Right. I mean, talk to the fans about, you know, your ability to just go back in, shake off the rust and come in and just kind of fire in all cylinders. Yeah, I'm back. Best uh, F1 Twitter handicapper in the game. Um, three and one to start. You know, it's just, it's like riding a bike. You just, you know, hop back on. It was no trouble. Um, and I think similar to last year, I think you're going to see that the, the bookmakers are a little slow to their sharp lines. So these first few races, there's there's really going to be an opportunity to to win some bets. So yeah, it was, it was a great start to the uh, to the season. Any early picks ahead of Jeddah, Sam? Any early feelings, I should say. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off. I saw that Max is minus three hundred to win the race. Um I'm not laying that, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see where the Twitter rumors go the next couple days. Um and I'll probably have a better feel for it next week. Yeah, I appreciate totally. your conservatism. Yeah, I mean, it was, Sam, dominant by you. Race results this week. Max takes takes the win. Checo P2. Fernando Alonso back on that top step. We got a lot to talk about with Fernando Alonso this week. Um, and, you know, to kind of recap, I think this year we've got a ongoing in the points competition for number of total race wins picked correctly. So as everyone on that follows this podcast knows, every single re- week we give our poll predictions. We give P1 through P3. We're the only podcast to do it ahead of practice. Once you do it after practice, it's pretty easy to handicap that. We're the only one to do it. This year we're doing a running total, and the number one host this year will get uh, a prize. Stefano, I think there's a grand reveal. But after week one, right now, standings are Matt and Stefano tied in first. We're both picking Max for stopping to win the race. Sam... 
Uh, unfortunately, no points logged yet on the board. Uh, but like you're making it up in in more important ways. You're actually making our our listeners money by by what you're doing. Um, me and Stefano just kind of a vanity metric here. But Stefano, um, you I think you have a pretty big reveal for us. Yeah, uh, you kind of teased it a little bit. Um, like Matt said, we are keeping score. This is a competition, uh, and the winner will win a fabulous prize in this if i can share my screen <laughs> for those this podcast is great stefano right now is a having difficulty sharing a screen b he doesn't have the physical item that we expected him to be revealing <laughs> I thought we on were getting, the podcast yeah, I we a trophy reveal no i, I thought don't it was going to be a massive yet. trophy reveal and he still can't pull it up stefano why don't you just describe since this is an audio-based podcast why don't you describe to the listeners what it is See, seeing as you disabled screen sharing uh the winner of our season-long race winner prediction wins a fabulous golden ass statuette like wait a golden <laughs> ass a golden ass <laughs> so if you oh. win if you win, you get the golden ass. I love, I love that. It. In the points, right. golden ass award. This is going to be an unbelievable season. Buckle up because now these predictions just became more interesting. Before, I think people were picking who they kind of wanted to win. Now I'm going to actually go with who I think is actually going to win. Um, that's incredible. Yeah, great. I mean, you know what? Like, good race first weekend. Um, pretty clear. You know, Aston Martin, they're the talk of the town right now. Um, you know who else was the talk of the town? I mean, we're all getting the rust off, kind of, you know, seeing where things go. What the hell was going on with the broadcast, guys? That was one of the worst broadcasts I've ever seen in my entire life. They were like, they couldn't get the stop times in. They put Chuck Leclerc's name over Sergio Perez's car. They had Max on different tire compounds. They, had, they, they couldn't get anything right. What was going on there? Sam, there was one point you want to see a battle between Yuki and, and Gasly, and you couldn't yeah. see it. Yeah, we I wanted to see the lovers going at it. Um, we didn't get that, and like you said, just so many silly, dumb mistakes. Liberty Media, uh, Liberty Media is just—they're ruining F1, and Wait, we all know on? it. Um, they're a joke. So yeah, tough start. Their backs are up against the wall for the next race. They 100%. better be on fire because if they make continue making those mistakes, like we're we are gonna make them pay. I mean, it's insane what they're doing. Yeah. Um... Following on from my my anti-Liberty media stance from uh, last season's In the Points episodes, um, this is nothing new. Their broadcast history for Formula One has been uh, pretty terrible. I remember back at Monaco last year, they would show like weird angles of like the pit lane and uh, exit. They would show back markers when there were fights for first place. They like there was that four way uh, train between Checo, Max, Sainz, and Leclerc in Monaco, and they barely showed it because we were seeing, I mean, rightfully so, the goat in Nicholas Latifi bringing up the rear, making sure everything was okay in Monaco. But, uh, you know, par for the course with Liberty Media with terrible broadcasting. I'm not a fan. I was absolutely stunned when I saw them put soft tires on. Verstappen's car and then Checo's car and then the broadcast said it was hard I thought I like saw something I, I was I was texting you guys like what's going on here like yeah, it was strange. crazy it was really strange not to mention they couldn't for some reason they had to have been under contract with McLaren because that was the only guy they would talk to all weekend long Sam you love Zach Brown so tell I'm us just, about how I'm so I'm so tired of that guy 
I am so tired of Zach Brown. Like he is such a loser. <laughs> I don't like. I'm just tired. I'm like, give us some other team principal that we can talk to. That's more interesting. He just sits there and gives us literally nothing. Who Sam, would you would rather, rather hear from, Sam? Yeah. Uh, Toto. Obviously, I think he's the number one guy. I'd love to be here in the middle of races. I think that'd be fascinating. Um, what about Gunther Steiner. No, I don't want no, Gunther. I'm overrated. sick of Gunther. We've got enough way of him overrated. and Drive to Survive. And he's Zach yeah, Brown or Gunther Steiner in the middle of the race. Who would you rather them call on? I'd rather not watch the race. Yeah, I'd, I just I'll I'll throw it on mute. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, getting into our topic of back markers of the week, McLaren. God. What's going? McLaren looks horrible. I feel they vindicated. Stopped, I feel I think vindicated. Lando stopped five times. Guys, um, these knee jerk reactions. I don't think McLaren's going to be this bad all year. I, I just don't. Yeah, they shouldn't be. Points. They had they a car that points. DNF'd, and then they stopped Lando six times. Well, they have that GP2 car that they gave to Lando. <laughs> and they have those like crazy ads that they keep running every other second. I mean, listen, I think if you're... Piastri, DNF- might, Piastri might be a loser. Piastri, tough look. That guy might be a loser. Otmar Safnauer had the best outcome out of that so far yeah. after race one if you were to like snap a line of sand race one gasly finished ahead of Ocon. i mean Ocon. that we guy have, was in quicksand a whole different topic holy he shit. was in penalty quicksand all weekend long he like every yeah. time he tried to get out he just got sucked back in it was like the more he moved the worse it got it was one of the craziest things i think i've ever seen he he burst off I mean, we had this circle, the ones we saw it. He lined up incorrectly, and I saw a video after the fact of the start of the race. You know what? Good for the FIA for picking up on this. They could have let that slide. Nope. Strict FIA. Um, I mean, he got penalty after penalty after penalty after penalty. So, yeah. Lined up wrong on the grid. I think he got a black and orange flag, if I'm not mistaken. Speeding in the pit lane. You name it, he got penalized for it. I think he still finished ahead of Lando, which is the crazy part. And Lando stopped like six times. But, yeah, tough day for Akon. Really tough day if you're Zach Brown. I mean, and you know what's the funniest part, Sam? you got to take a little bit of solace, right? If you're Zach Brown and you're having as bad of a weekend as he's having, right, and he's expecting to have, you know, Oscar Piastri, who he claims is the second coming of, of you know, Jack Villeneuve, and he ends up DNFing, you've got – um You've got Lando Norris, who's pitting six times. I think the last thing you want is to have Sky Sports Media checking in with you throughout the entire race. So as annoying as it was to see him get all that airtime, you got to take a little bit of solace that if you're Zach Brown, the last thing you want to do is put on a good face for the crowd and answer some of these questions. Tough timing. Tough timing. I, I hope that it's not like this the whole entire year. Um, and they continue to go to him because it would just be a brutal season of team principal interviews. Oh, terrible. Um, back markers of the week, continuing on with this, Williams. Are they a back marker anymore this year, guys? I no. Mean, I mean, Sam, our American hero, Logan Sargent. Yeah, he was great. What a, what a debut. What a debut. Um, about as good of a start as you can ask for in that car. So, yeah, great start. Um, his, his actual start, I don't know if you saw his onboard, was like, Mega's first lap. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was really happy to see that. I'm excited. Um, he's one of the guys I'm most excited looking forward to in race two. Is he rookie of the week? Has to be. be. Has to be. Has to be. be. He finished ahead of DeVry. He had finished ahead of Piastri. 
He finished ahead of... I think he would have finished ahead of Piastri even if he didn't DNF. Yeah, he had to have been Rookie of the Week by far and away. Good for America. You know, I think that's just lining up nicely for Andretti to, to come right in. Um, Guys, any other back markers of the week? Anything that stood out to you? Just how, like, anonymous Alpha Tauri were. Terrible. But, yeah, I mean, I was expecting more from them given that they had a pretty decent 2022. But... um. You know, once you get rid of, once you split the lovers, I think, I think the magic is gone with that team. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, Yuki looked like he showed some signs of maturity this race. It looked like he had, uh, he had moved his way up the field a little bit. It looked like he was, you know, trying to do a little bit more. Maybe that breakup was the best thing to happen to them. Maybe it actually inspired him to like focus a little bit more on the track. Um, and who knows? Who knows what this what is in store for Alphatari in general? Rumors are they're selling. Rumors are they're not selling. Who knows? But uh, Matt, Matt, the other side of that breakup, Gasly, driver of the day. I mean, driver what, of the day. Be, what a race from him! That was awesome. Mega, mega with a um, teammate in, like, in a car in a car that's been shamed by the public for looking like crap in preseason testing. Um, what a race. And not just because of the shade of pink it is either. I mean, and I'm by the way, I'm a fan of the pink car for a couple of races. I am too. I, I, I wish, wish more teams would do season. that. Yeah. Um, guys, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Mercedes. Sam, you're optimistic about Mercedes. Toto Wolf recently coming out saying they might have to scrap the entire and abandon their car design and go completely new. That's yeah. a bold move. Yeah. So my optimism is all based on the fact that they're going to change their concept. I think coming into the season, I think Toto even has made reference to it. They've got a plan B where they'll go away from the the zero side pod concept and almost build a Red Bull with Mercedes paint. So um, I'm optimistic because I think they realized they were going to give it one race, see what they see what it looked like. Um and it's obviously not looking like they can compete and actually win races against Red Bull. So I'm hoping they just totally change the concept and we see something totally different. Um, and I'm I'm just optimistic that they have good enough engineers that they can, you know, put together a car with a different concept that can at least come closer to competing with Red Bull because this car now is not even remotely close. Not even They're remotely so close. far off the pace. Yeah. They were so far off the pace. And they had a, and I think they maximized their points. On, I think they did too. Yeah, like I thought I thought Lewis was really solid. I thought George was solid. Um that that they just that's all they can do. They're not very fast. Yeah, yeah. I think even Lewis said like he was like it's a it's kind of a fake fifth place finish for them because Chuck DNF. He's like we realistically finished sixth, then we were nowhere even close to the top of the top of the class. Um bold though, incredibly bold. First off. I thought it was a little bold to double down on the concept again for 2023. I thought they were going to completely abandon the 2022 car concept coming into this year. They kind of stuck with it a little bit, painted it black, you know, Rolling Stones-esque, trying to get it a little bit to look a little bit different. Um, maybe that was going to, you know, change them up. Maybe the lighter paint was going to make them look a tenth faster. Didn't really work. I'm shocked that they didn't change it this year. I'm shocked. And... I don't know how much time they have left until they can switch to a new concept. Do you think that they're going to come out in Jetta with a new concept? Or do you think it's going to be a while? Like, do you think they got something under the hood? Oh, God. No pun intended. I think that there's a chance they, that Jetta, we see something totally different. I think the better chance is I think they had originally scheduled big 
um, upgrades for Baku. So maybe we see it there. Uh, but I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of well, time. If you're going to do it, you may as well do it now because this card they have is just, it's not going to really do much. There's no time like the present, right? Um, I mean, by the way, tumultuous week a little bit for, for Mercedes. People were kind of blasting Lewis Hamilton for like talking about the team and saying like, we're so far off and seemed to be kind of negative at the end of the race. What's up with the media? Everyone's just grabbing at like random headlines. Everywhere I turn, there's an F1 clickbait, F1 clickbait. Like Lewis is just like, I actually went back, listened to his last lap, and he was like, team, you guys you guys did a, a great job to maximize what we could do this weekend. Um, yeah, but, at least yeah. That they have a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. And, yeah, yeah, but Matt, but he's, but he's saying that he told the team midway through the season last year, maybe even earlier that, that they could not win with that car and they needed to make certain changes and they didn't listen to him. And now he's saying, look, I was right the whole time. That we is need, true. We need to totally change the concept. I mean, so he, he was, was right yeah. the whole time. He was. It's it's pretty crazy, and but you know what? They got a reliable engine, and you know what? You look ahead. You look at Aston Martin, who is a Mercedes engine customer, and they're showing that they can, they belong at the top and that they can compete with the best teams. So you got to know that Mercedes under that hood, maybe not on car design, but in engine, that engine is capable of fighting with anybody up there, and especially when you have arguably the best f1 driver of all time in that car you're you're right you can't count them out it's going to be a long it's going to have they're going to have to have a little bit of luck in my opinion from red bull to and maybe a little bit of Martin to compete for a championship in 2023 but if they get moving now and they abandon that car concept 2024 should be a phenomenal racing year for us you think they can compete sam in 2023 if they abandon their car concept and yeah i do I, I really do i think that I think they could for sure because wow. they have they have I think they have an engine that could could compete compete with Red Bull, um, and it's we're already a year into these new regulations. I don't think it's probably any type of secret to them what it would get what it would, it would need to get done to build a car like that. So let's just don't be don't be shocked if they're winning races like seven or eight races into the season. I just want to uh, highlight that while this may sound very pessimistic and we're we're kind of like tearing mercedes down it's more that we're kind of talking up how good of a team they are and how competitive they are because 18 months ago this was a a six what six seven time in a row world drivers and world constructors champion team uh this is the expectation that they've set and to see them you know scrapping for third or fourth in a in a constructors championship and both of their drivers miles off uh, for the uh, the drivers championship as well, you know that's that's considered poor form for Mercedes. Yeah, uh, a, lot of te- a lot of teams would take where they're at right now. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. that's that's what I'm saying. That's that's the bar they've set. Uh, that's their tagline: the best or nothing. Um, and that's kind of sounding like what Toto's uh, sounding off on now. It's like, well, this this car that we have now is not the best, so we've got to go with nothing and just start from there. Listen, if there's one team one team on the grid that can abandon a car concept midway through the season and still come back and fight for a championship. It's Mercedes. It's that's it. Say, it's, I, I throw Red Bull into that too. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a big Red Bull fan. Like, I don't know. I, I think that they've got, they're definitely number two on that list, but I think Mercedes is their team is just so they're such a well-oiled machine 
that very few teams can abandon a car concept and still fight for a championship. And I think they can. I don't think Red Bull can could abandon a car concept and still fight. If Mercedes, I'll put it this way, Stefano, you trade Mercedes into where Red Bull is right now. Red Bull, I don't think, has the chops to compete for a championship. I think Mercedes could do something to get back at Red Bull. And I think that's because they're just, their engine manufacturing is amazing. And I think that they can build around their engine much quicker, faster, better. And I don't think that Red Bull, I think Red Bull's car concept is years in the making. And I think this championship team from last year and even thinking ahead to this year, I think this was a multi-year journey. I think Mercedes could do it in a year. Man, I'm, I'm sure Sam I'm, agrees. I'm glad, I'm glad we're on the same page, Matt, because I'm, I am starting to think, like, I, I think Ferrari is going to be fine, but I don't think that they're going to be able to compete for the, for a championship. I do think Mercedes might be our only chance at getting some sort of competitive fight at the top. So it's, I'm, it's funny you said that. It's a great segue into our, our second to last topic of the week, which is Aston Martin. And Alonso, Fernando Alonso, they were the free practice heroes. He was top of the timesheets in all three practices. He was fighting um, in Q1 and Q2 for top of the timesheets. And he ended up on, on a podium. And they seemed to have some pretty damn good pace. And that bluffing and who's sandbagging? Is Mercedes sandbagging? Do they have some pace? Are they using high fuel loads? Does Ferrari have a – it sounds like Aston Martin's the real deal. We, we speculated that, we had some hopes, didn't know what other teams were doing. I think Bahrain has confirmed that it's not a vanity car and that it actually can compete on track. And so my question back to you, Sam, do you still hold out hope that Aston Martin is going to fight with Red Bull for the championship in the meantime while Mercedes climbs its way back to the top steps? No, absolutely not. Um, first of all, I will say Aston Martin, their race pace was what was so impressive. Like they're... Their one lap pace, you could tell in qualifying, it wasn't right up there with Red Bull. really wasn't that close at all where Ferrari was. Um, but their race pace, they were unbelievable. Alonso's was going you know, faster than anybody pretty much outside of Max a few laps into his his both of his stints. So um, that was the most impressive thing. But Stroll is not a, a reliable enough driver to compete for a constructors championship. Unfortunately, he was incredible on Sunday. Hearing back at all the injuries he went through with the crash and how bad both of his wrists were, I actually cannot believe that he finished that race. Pretty incredible. But there's no way in hell they're they're competing for a constructors championship with Lance Stroll, unfortunately. What about a drivers? Maybe what about Alonso. That's may, I'll hold out hope that Alonso can challenge Max, but still, I don't know. I don't I don't see him winning. I, I still think he's gonna win a race, but I don't know he's gonna he's gonna win, you know, two or three. He has to win five races, five, six races to have any chance of winning a driver's championship. Yeah, he's got he's gotta win five or six races and hope somebody besides Max uh can win some races too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean this way. Between the two drivers, like Sam said, Stroll just isn't there. And I think that that Aston Martin car is capable of race wins, but I think it's only going to be from Fernando. All right. So here's a question. Who is the biggest threat to Max? Fernando Alonso. Yeah. hundred percent. He's in a couple reasons why, you know, Max is so good in a Red Bull. Fernando Alonso is also very good in a Red Bull. 
So Fernando almost has the same car as Max right now. Um, another Red Bull, the green Red Bull. He's been driving that around. He's a wily vet. He understands how to race. He understands how to catch win a people. World he <laughs> understands how to win a world championship. And, you know, you heard a comment the other day. He He's driving other people's cars. He's talking about you know, Mercedes deg dropping off and their pace dropping off. Like he can manipulate guys. I remember last year when he was fighting in France, he was holding up the McLarens so that Ocon could get back into the race and fight with them. Like he just knows how to like exploit the others. And I think he is also like just as fearless as Max. Like if you're going to full go full send into a corner, you don't really want to be the car fighting Max because you know he probably won't back out, and he's just kind of got that reputation where you have to be careful. Like he's not wor- he's not worried about binning it, right? I think Alonso has the same mentality, and so I think it'll be really interesting to see Alonso kind of do that wily vet stuff with Max. I mean, Alonso overtook Hamilton into turn eleven, which we almost never see. The like, dummy that he sold him to was great. So good. We, we, I can't believe it took us this long to mention it. That was probably the most exciting part of the race. I mean, that, that whole battle was awesome. That might have been the best overtake I've seen in probably the last two seasons combined. That was Me, good. no one does that. That's one of the hardest turns. And not only that, he, it, it was just – it was really cool. And that's why I think he is the number one threat because I think his car is actually closer to Red Bull's – I think it's the closest Red Bull pace. Um, and like, like I said – maybe the Ferraris as well. I just think like if you had Max, Chuck and Alonzo in a three-way street fight, Alonzo is just as gritty and he's probably going to do more and like probably get his hands dirtier than Chuck would in a fight with Max. And I think that's Max's biggest threat. I'd say he's grittier than Max. Probably grittier than Max. And I mean, how could he not be? He's had to drive some shit cars in the last few years and like scrape together in the midfield. It's probably made him a better race car driver. Yeah, think about so, his time at McLaren with that GP2 engine that he had. I know. it's And so, but but you're right, Sam. Like, Stroll's the liability, which is so ironic to say. But let's see. Maybe he's in this in this really good car. He'll kind of shine. I mean. Yeah, maybe maybe Alonzo will rub off on him. You could, you could have made an argument that he was driver of the day on Sunday, especially considering what he went through with his wrist to get back there. It's still yeah. really mind-boggling that he could race that quickly after that accident i mean in practice he couldn't even turn the wheel he had to like kind of baby the wheel up and like get his hand over the other side of the wheel it was crazy guys i think we're forgetting the fact that he also almost ruined his and alonzo's race on the first that is true and then the team would not tell fernando that it was it was incredible it was that was absolutely incredible and i Um, think without that fernando would have maybe finished second you never it is pretty endearing with how Alonso's treating Lance too, um, with like caring about him and asking about him and all that stuff. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. It's you know what motivated Fernando Alonso again? Yeah. That's the big thing. It seems like he's got like, he is re-energized with this team and with this car and he's super excited. And I don't think, I think he sneaky knew it in FP in all the practices but he didn't want to say it because he was worried that it wasn't it was too good to be true. And then Sunday came around and that might have been the nicest I've ever heard anybody on the team radio in the entire last three seasons. He's like, this car is so wonderful to drive. Yes. Bye bye. And he's just asking about his teammate. It's I got to be honest, it's pretty cool to, to see him fighting like that and to fight 
Hamilton to fight signs, to overtake them and to stand on the top step. Pretty cool. I was pretty excited about that. That's kind of saved the race because it was kind of a Red Bull runaway. Which brings us to the last topic of the day, guys. George Russell coming out saying Red Bull has the sewn up. Quote from George Russell. Red Bull has the championship sewn up. They're going to win every single race this year. Here's my question. How much stock do you put in that? Or is that just pure gamesmanship to get inside their head? Like George Russell coming out and saying that with a car that's almost a second off the pace is... I, I don't know how you can call that sandbagging, but like, is it gamesmanship? Is it like trying to like make them be a little bit complacent, take their eye off the prize? Like, do you guys think that this one is sewn up for 2023 already after race one? Sewn up. Sewn up. No. Uh, I do think that Ferrari may give a bit more of a title fight this year. Um, I don't think that it's gamesmanship from George Russell, and I don't think that anybody at Red Bull would put any stock into the thought that it's gamesmanship from George Russell, of all people. Um, Mercedes is so off the pace. George Russell is not even with a sniff of a podium, let alone a race win. So to to assert that it might be gamesmanship from him, of all people, is a bit ridiculous, I think. Um, that being said, Ribble most likely most likely will win the championship, but I think there will be a tighter fight uh, going into the final races of the season this year than last. See, I totally disagree. I think it it was gamesmanship. I I think Russell and Toto said the exact same thing today. Actually, we're filming on Wednesday. He quotes on Wednesday saying, "Yeah, I expect Red Bull to win every single race." I think it's all gamesmanship. I think in in back in the Mercedes camp, they're trying to figure out how to get their car on similar pace as Red Bull. They know just as much as anybody that the season any a lot can happen over the course of the season, and no seasons ever and no championships ever going to be won and lost after one race. So sure, I think on paper he's he's right. I think like Red Bull should win every race, and Max should you know, clean this up and it should be an easy win. But I think in their minds, it's like, let's just put the pressure on them. Let's try to prove everyone wrong. Let's play the underdog um, and try to catch them. Cause I, it's not over. Not quite. We're way too early to be sewing this thing up. Way too early in the season. Lots of races left. We'll say based off of pure race one, like, it is Red Bulls to lose. I would probably no say it's it's Red Bulls to lose. And I do like that move by Mercedes, right? Like, let's just put all the pressure off of us. Yeah, like, season's over, guys, but we're going to fight. And then to your point, Sam, like, very good for them to play the underdog card. Let's work incredibly hard. Toto's German or Austrian or whatever. Mercedes comes from, what, Germany there? Uh, Stefano, you're the car expert. Mercedes, German <laughs> yeah, car engine. Um, oh, my God. Those Germans, they don't give up. They don't give up. They yeah, are too they, proud they took, on the world, they took on the world and lost and said, Twice. you know, <laughs> fuck it. I'm going to take on the world again and see see what happens. And what happened? They lost again. But it doesn't matter. But they, but you know what? They don't They're they still standing, to man. lose. But they will not go down without a fight. They're they're gonna go down fighting. But I just think that this idea that it's look maybe George Russell had it in his mind that he was playing some gamesmanship. But I don't think anybody from Red Bull was taking stock in it. I think if they even bothered to look at the quote, they just laughed. 
Oh, they 100% laughed. Um, it is interesting, though. A rumor is Red Bull told their drivers to switch engine modes, and they didn't even show what they were actually even capable of on Sunday. And to I manage forgot that they were even in the race on Sunday, Checo and Max. They had no – did you see Max's tires at the end of the race? There was, like, no wear on the tires. Speaking of, that reminds me of a point that I had forgotten to make was that I was actually – kind of nervous for the the season for Ferrari with Carlos Sainz's uh tire deg struggles because he couldn't fight Alonso at all. He even went on the radio and said if I fight I'm not going to make it to the end of the race. So that doesn't bode well for Ferrari going into uh the next few races. Uh different track. I don't know. Yeah, but we Jenna, saw... Jenna's a little bit easier going on the tires. It is, but last year what was the the main thing uh, apart from reliability and strategy issues, now that I say that, but it was tire deg. Yeah, like, DRS it, zones. Yeah. Sam, speaking of DRS, so by the way, guys, long season. I mean, I don't think George Russell was doing anything games mini. I think he was probably just like, yeah, like red, like it was probably a knee jerk reaction to that particular race. Like they were so good, this one's over type of thing. Like, but to your point, Sam, super long season. We said it a million times. If this was this year, last year, we would have said the season was over for Red Bull. I think we did say this last year when we first did our yeah. very first episode. We said, this is it. That's kind of it for Red Bull. And then we probably said, ah, it's a long season. They'll probably come back. So, so many things can happen. Time will tell. We Who knows? Red Bull might have triple DNFs in the next three races. Like, so who knows? Um, yeah, it's, it's speaking of DRS, though, Sam apparently they're exploring with turning on DRS after one lap in the sprint races this year. And as the resident DRS expert and the guy who thinks DRS kicks the most ass, I got to ask, how excited are you for sprint races this year if if DRS is going to be unlocked after one lap instead of two laps? Yeah, it's about time that needed to happen. Uh, It's nonsensical for it to not be in place. I mean, they for sprint races, they should just make the whole race DRS. So that's honestly, you and Martin Brundle would get along incredibly well. He says, I have no idea why they wouldn't just turn it on after turn one. Yeah, just it should be on. Why not? Yeah, it's a it's a truncated race anyway. There's no point in making yeah. them a number of laps without it. Oh, no, that's- I'm saying they're testing it out to do after one lap so they can bring it into the entire calendar next year so that every race, every full length race after lap one DRS is turned on. Yeah, it's, they should just have DRS at all times. I agree. I think DRS absolutely for the sprint. They ass. should just there's like the the whole track should be a DRS zone for the sprint. Nah, you can't do that because all those wings are needed for downforce and the corners and everything. Nah. Otherwise, the cars become unstable. But I'm with you. Like whatever. Add it's, more. it's only if it's only like what is it, a third of a, of a race. What if they can yeah. drive unstable cars for twenty laps? Think about think about it this way. There used to be an era when there was no DRS and you just had to go with a very low drag concept for the entirety of the race. By the way, how about this? Did you guys catch the fact that the FIA shortened the DRS zone at Bahrain the week this past weekend? I did notice that. What's up with that? They they shouldn't like that's so that's BS. You should like you shouldn't be able to tinker with the tracks during the season. It it just like it doesn't make sense. Dude, it's the FIA. They can do whatever the heck they want. There are no. Although I will say, that's what it's my one one big gripe with F one. They make the rules up as they go. There are oh, no, yeah, there's no, there's no set rule there set no rules. going into the season all the way this, throughout. This year, though, 
they said right at this race, and we'll see if it's enforced. This will be something to watch for. Listeners, watch for this and let us know if you don't if the if it comes out or you see something and make sure you, you tweet at us and add us in <laughs> yeah, this. Definitely do that. <laughs> it, they said there is zero interpretation for track limits now. It doesn't matter any turns. You are if you're outside all four tires, you're outside the track lap time deleted automatically. Before it was like, oh, we can kind of have a little bit of a grace into like turn four at this track, or like it's okay into turn two at this track. Nope, blanket. This is the inbounds. This is the out of bounds, or you're out of bounds. Lap deleted, and they did. They went through and they deleted all these times. Now, I like. I gotta be honest. I like that rule in qualifying. It, it should be. It should be in qualifying. It's that you know what I think. Uh, Martin Brundle said he's like every other sport. You go out of bounds. It's out of bounds. Why is it that some tracks it's okay to kind of go out of bounds on this corner, but not that corner? Like everything is either in track limits or it's out of track limits and I'm all for it. But guys, any final thoughts heading into a week where we don't have a race? Sadly, we're thinking ahead to Jetta. Our episode will come out next week on our Jetta preview. Um, any other final thoughts for our listeners back home? We love you guys. And it's a rough start to the year for a fan looking for an exciting season, but hang with us. It's going to get better. Um, and we'll keep you entertained. Yeah. We've got 20, what 22 races left plus six sprints. There's yep. plenty of action left on the track. Uh, we'll be delivering the hottest takes post-race pre-race, any kind of race you want. Uh, we'll be here to chat about it. Uh, like Sam said, we love you guys. Shout out to all the fans. Uh, shout out to Gaja, uh, giving us a like on our Instagram post for uh, the pre-race espressos. Shout uh, out Gaja. Yeah, really love your machines. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for Jetta. Can't wait to can't wait to get back on the airwaves with you guys. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. Fire it up, guys. Fire it up. See you next week. Love you.